You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, as predicted, the uh, the news is slowly, slowly, slowly starting to pick up. Things are, in fact, happening. Um, people are back in Green Bay, and so as business resumes, certain things need to d- be done, and as a result, we see it and go, hey, stuff. Is it interesting stuff? I don't know, but it's stuff. Um, you got the, the soccer thing going on, which, again, by the time you hear this, will have already happened. So if something crazy happened, sweet. And um, I don't know it, but um, to, to be completely honest, my interest level plummeted when I saw the report that they were asked if they have any interest in football, and they're like, no, I don't really like football. And not only that, one of the guys apparently said something to the effect of uh, Tom Brady, and then he made a throwing motion. He doesn't speak very good English, but that, that was his way of relating to the fact that he understands something. Here's the thing, and I was thinking about this as I was watching all these videos, and for, apparently the Packers media is obsessed with soccer. I don't, I don't understand that, but they love it, and they talk about it, and whatever. So they're all, they're all geeking out about it. Soccer's here. But as I'm watching them practice in Lambeau Field, I'm thinking, I wonder if they did like, you know how when rookies come, they get kind of a history lesson. Granted, it's the Packers doing the history lesson, but still, you you would have thought if there's this big trip to Lambeau, at some point, there would have been this big, here's where we're going, here's why, and let's do a little bit of a, I don't know, an overview of what this is. On a very cursory level, here's what football is. Here's who the Green Bay Packers are. Here's a tiny bit of, of the history behind it. And you can ask the Packers for that, right? It's not like you have to do the, just reach out and be like, hey, I want to talk to the guys about uh, a little bit about what the heck you guys do because we know nothing. Let me know. Apparently they didn't. They didn't take any interest in Green Bay, the Packers, football, nothing. To the extent that when asked about it, they were just like, mm, uh, no, I don't know anything. And the only thing that came into his head wasn't Aaron Rodgers. It was Tom Brady. Because still to this day, their only understanding of football is whatever they happen to have picked up at any point just through the grapevine. Because they never under at any point decided to take any interest in the Green Bay Packers whatsoever. And we, we, we get a lot of hate over here for being arrogant Americans. I'll tell you what though, man, Europe has got a bit of a reputation as well. You know, the French are real bad with that sort of pompous, arrogant kind of thing going on. But uh, that... That bothered me a bit to be so, you know, and, and, and again, everybody over here is all excited and they, you know, oh man, this is great. You guys are here and we're so happy to have you and it's so wonderful. And do you guys know anything about football? No. Do you guys like it or watch it? No, I don't like it. Not interested. Uh, Tom Brady, right? He's a, he's a thing, I think. I know Tom Brady. Like, all right, interview's over. You guys have fun with your stupid freaking kickball match. 
and uh, have a great day. Try not to carve up our grass too much, please. We got real sports to play. Get out, friggin' jerks. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. That just annoyed me. Anyways, uh, there were also some promotions and whatnot. John Eric Sullivan got promoted. Uh, Flea, the um, strength and conditioning coach, got promoted. So that's cool. I think John Eric, Eric Sullivan is on his way to being a GM one of these days. I guess I don't know that entirely because somebody from outside of Green Bay would have to actually respect what the Packers do enough to say that I want to poach one of those guys. If they do, it would probably be John Eric Sullivan. If not, and I hope not, he gets to stay. Another benefit of generally just not having a lot of respect for the Packers, you know, I mean, we've had that in the past where the Packers have been massively respected and, you know, Ted Thompson had a ton of respect, so all those guys got poached, or a lot of them did. Mike McCarthy was respected, so all of those guys got poached, and then now nobody cares, so we just get to keep everybody. So it's it's a perk. Been a lot of news on alternate jerseys. A lot of teams are actually getting some pretty dope jerseys. I thought, saw the Giants are doing their uh, throwback 90s, 80s, whatever jerseys. Uh, those look super slick. A lot of questions about what the Packers are doing, but uh, according to Matt Schneidman, Packers president Mark Murphy told reporters today that the team will wear the same alternate jerseys for a game this season that they did last year. It's a five-year deal for those jerseys, so they'll be worn throughout the 2025 season, the announcement for which uh, for which game will come soon. I didn't know that uh, jerseys had had long-term contracts, but I guess it kind of makes sense. So now you know. The uh, all green with the uh, all yellow helmets, it's going to be uh, through 2025. Again, I personally don't really care. I mean, it's kind of cool, but it doesn't matter that much. The only reason I really like it is because when we wear alternate jerseys, we tend to play really well. Probably just because you wear your alternate jerseys at home and the Packers just usually win at home. Um, I had mentioned a lot of teams with pup list and whatnot. Packers, as people reported, they ended up having to put guys on the pup list. That list um, includes Christian Watson, Robert Tunyon, Elton Jenkins, Mason Crosby, Dean Lowry, Kylan Hill, uh, Hauti Patuta, Randy Ramsey, and Patrick Taylor. So probably more extensive than we were expecting. I, I kind of figured, I mean, there's going to be some, and that's the thing, when I was looking at other people's lists that had like one or two or three guys on it, I'm thinking, um, I'm surprised by that, but maybe they aren't. Maybe it's kind of like Tunyon, um, where you kind of know what's coming. So I, 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 I figured somebody might be a surprise, but I didn't expect this many surprises. You know, we knew Tunyon, we knew Elton Jenkins. I don't think I knew about anybody else. Certainly didn't know about Christian Watson. Was all excited about him reporting and playing and all that stuff. And um, I'm assuming if you're going to put somebody on pup list, they're at least going to miss one practice. Probably going to be several. And that's the other thing to note is what does the pup list mean? It's, it doesn't mean much. It's not like they're out for the year. It doesn't mean regular season. It doesn't mean uh, the entire postseason. It, you, you can be taken off at any time, but you're being put on for a reason. And, you know, if you show up with a minor, you know, mi- minor affliction that you're going to be fine by the time we do anything physical, we probably don't need to put you on the pup list, right? The pup list would be to essentially keep you from doing activities. So that's going to be somewhat of a negative. But I guess the, the one negative or the one positive that comes with all these negatives is that this is a time for, for, uh, for guys to learn. Right, as much as it's beneficial for Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard, it's much more beneficial to guys that are trying to make the team or guys that are definitely going to make the team, like rookies, but you know, still need that work. 
And so with everybody that's out, it gives somebody else a chance. So primarily when I look at Christian Watson being down, I'm looking at more snaps for guys like Romeo Dobbs, more opportunities for, you know, Amari to, to you know, whatever it's going to take to get him to, to take that step. Samori Ture, they'll get worked in a little bit more. And and these guys are a little bit more on the bubble, right? Christian Watson's going to be forced on the field either way. And, and you know, he, he definitely needs the work and hopefully it's short term. I know uh, Bill Huber made the comment that, uh, he says on Twitter, it's, it's worth noting pup doesn't necessarily mean pup. Once the season starts, Patrick Taylor missed four practices last year. So uh, he says, I'm sure there's some that have even been shorter. So uh, again, hopefully Watson gets back soon enough and um, we'll be practicing and, and good to go. But in the meantime, there is that element of let's see what Dobbs has. Um, Crosby is obviously we have another kicker that's going to be taking some 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 opportunities away, which in my opinion just kind of sucks, but maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Um, with Dean Lowry being down, obviously that's going to give uh, Jerron Reed and Devontae Wyatt a little bit more time, which is always a positive. More snaps for that guy, the better, man. I want Devontae Wyatt to be an animal so badly, it's crazy. Um, with Randy Ramsey being down, I'm looking directly at our guy um, Kingsley. Enigbar or whatever. Can somebody just tell me how to say the guy's name? Can show me. A, don't tell me how to say his name because then I'm not going to trust that you know how to say his name. Show me like a video or something of him saying his own name. I need that because I I, I hate that I don't know how to say the guy's name and I feel like it doesn't sound right. But anyways, he's going to get a lot more opportunities with uh, Mr. Randy Ramsey down, which is great. One of the uh, bigger position groups that's going to get hit, though, is uh, Patrick Taylor and Kylan Hill are both on the pup list. Now, a couple thoughts on that. I think that end ultimately is bad for Patrick Taylor. I, I talked about Patrick Taylor and the fact that I think he's doing a great job of proving his worth. He did a good job down the stretch coming in after Kylan Hill went down. Um, the grades were better. The stats were better. Uh, he you know, just did a great job. I think he's built like a Packers running back. But I still think Kylan Hill kind of has that edge. I think, you know, again, the Packers drafted him, the Packers like him. And I think if they were forced, let's just say they, they don't play the entire offseason. I'm leaning Kylan is still that guy, but I don't know. And so Patrick needs as much time and opportunity to prove he is that guy as is possible. So that's my first thought with those two guys being out is that's going to hurt Patrick Taylor. But ultimately, it's going to hurt whichever guy is is slightly behind the other. But the biggest thing, obviously, is that Tyler Goodson and B.J. Baylor are going to get a massive amount of opportunities. Um, whereas, you know, obviously Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon get first crack at everything. Then it's going to be Kylan Hill and Patrick Taylor. Then it's going to be B.J. Baylor and Tyler. Those two guys get all the attention, right? Because Jones and Dillon, it's, it's, they're going to do some work, but they're also going to try to take it easy. Um, and so... Goodson and Baylor are just going to get worked like crazy. And um, depending on the extent of, of Taylor and, and Kylan Hill's injuries, and that's the other thing too, Kylan Hill was out all last year, and, and it's entirely possible that Kylan is just not good to go. And, and the fact of the matter is, with, with Patrick Taylor being right on his heel, depending on Patrick Taylor's injuries, if Kylan isn't going to be ready week one, they may just go Patrick Taylor in terms of who stays and who gets cut. Because we need another, why would we get rid of Patrick Taylor and then keep Kylan Hill on, you know, regular season pup or whatever. I mean, none of that makes any sense. But again, this is just a massive runway for B.J. Baylor and Tyler Goodson to take the reins and say, don't worry about either of those guys. I got you. So the the, the running back competition just heated up. You know, whereas, you know, Kylan kind of had, I think, the clear number one spot. 
His injury hurts him. Patrick Taylor doing so well hurts him. Kylan not doing very well with his opportunities hurts him. That kind of levels the playing field, if not putting Patrick Taylor ahead of Kylan Hill. Then you got both of these guys who are out, two young, fresh guys that the Packers like and brought in, getting a ton of work is going to raise their level on top of Patrick and Taylor being brought down a peg. So it's it's kind of an intense, interesting four-way battle for that number three spot that's, I think, kind of close right now. With Goodson and Baylor having done nothing, it's still still kind of close in my mind. So I'm uh, that that's going to be something to to keep an eye on. Every once in a while, I get a reminder that training camp is happening in just a matter of a couple of days, and the excitement um, just sends chills up my spine. I love it so much. I love training camp so much, getting those reports and, and sorting them and putting it together. It's so much fun. But anyways, the the final thing to point out here as far as all this is concerned is the fact that David Bakhtiari was not added to the list. Now, to be clear, David Bakhtiari probably isn't in Green Bay yet, so they may have him do a uh, a physical. They're, they're, they're waiting to put him on PUP before they know definitively that he needs to be on. Um, they may have him meet with the doctors, with the trainers, and, and see if he's ready to go. And so that may still be coming, but it is worth noting that there are several guys, obviously, that are veterans that were put on already. They didn't wait until the veterans showed up. But again, that, that could ultimately be the, the reality that these are guys that they just know. Obviously, Elton Jenkins and Robert Tunyon are, are not ready to go and need to go on pub. I can't speak to some of the other guys, but at the very least, it's, it is good news because David Bakhtiari is not in the same camp as these guys. They, they legitimately don't know, and they're hopeful that he'll be able to do it. Maybe they're 100% sure, and they already know he's going to be green-lighted, which would just be perfect news. So let's not declare it yet. It remains to be seen, um, but so far so good on the David Bakhtiari front. Um, there were three other players that were added on what is called the non-football injury list. I don't exactly know what the difference is. I, I think it's ultimately the same thing. It's just a designation that um, maybe they lose some benefits or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Because if you're hurt on the job compared to hurt not on the job, it, I'm sure somewhere in the, in the legal sense it, it has something to do with something that doesn't really matter to us. The point is they're hurt and they're not playing. But uh, the non-football injury list includes Rashid Walker, Caleb Jones, and Khalif Bryce. Now, to be clear, these are all college football injuries, so they're still got some lingering stuff from from college. So this is not it's not number one a surprise. So it's not like well they're just going to get cut. I mean the Packers brought them in knowing that they had issues. Although Caleb Jones and Khalif Bryce probably should get better soon, but it's it's not uh, something that happened in the off season either. We're not on the sand dunes cutting it up or anything. And then um, the Packers also did cut tight end Eli Wolf. I believe this puts the Packers roster at 89, so they have one additional open spot. Maybe they're hoping to bring somebody in. I don't think the recent addition of a tight end puts them at 90. I think they were at 89, then 90, and now back to 89. I believe that is the situation. I I do think one thing is worth kind of digging into a little bit. Um, I mentioned it kind of makes me sad, but maybe it shouldn't when referencing Mason Crosby. Gabe, and somebody's going to have to tell me how to say this guy's name, Burkick, Burkich, B-R-K-I-C. I mean, we'll go with Burkick because it's he's a kicker, so Burkick works for me. He's got kick in his name, he just needs another K. But 
I think for most Packer fans, myself included, the the automatic thought is, come on, Mason, you can do this. But I don't know that it should be. And I know it sounds horrible because Mason Crosby is a great dude and he's been a kicker for a long time and we like Mason and all that stuff. But Mason's pushing 40 and he's not going to be our kicker forever. And if somebody's able to come in and be an amazing kicker for us and can be for the next 20 years, we need to be open to that happening and be excited about that, right? It's the same thing with Jordan Love. And maybe maybe this is what I'm missing with the Aaron Rodgers situation in terms of you just don't want there to be another guy because Aaron Rodgers is our guy. But as I've said a, a, a million times, if there's one person I could snap my fingers and make great, it would be Jordan Love because there's nothing more important than than finding that next guy. And And it's obviously much less important to find the next kicker, but it's not unimportant. I don't want to flounder. And I don't want to have to keep Mason here as long as is humanly possible, you know, sign him to one more year, one more year, one more year in hopes that we don't end up getting stuck with garbage. But it's worth looking into the guy um, because he is actually relatively promising. He was actually initially picked up, I believe, by the Minnesota Vikings for whatever reason, let go, and then now we ended up with him. Um, But looking at his career in Oklahoma, uh, he's been there for four years, really been the starting kicker for three He's been quite solid. His grades over the three years, 90.3, which is crazy, then 81.4 and 82.5. For context, Mason Crosby has never had a grade that high, not not a single 80 overall grade. Um, His grades have, his highest grade ever was back in 2013, he had a 76.2 overall grade. Um, Now, generally you say, well, that's the difference between college and the pros, but I don't know how much different it is for kickers because ultimately it's, it's just kicking, you know? A 52-yard field goal kick is a 52-yard field goal kick. But his 90.3 overall grade in 2019, I mean, this guy would have ended up getting drafted if he could have maintained anything even close to that, but he was 52 of 52 on extra points and 17 of 17 on field goals. He didn't miss a single kick the entire year. Um, that was one 50-yarder, three 40-yarders, seven 30-yarders, five 20-yarders, and then one inside the 20 that he kicked. The next year in 2020, he was 49 of 49 on extra points. He was 20 of 26 on his field goals. Um, he made everything within the 20-yard range or less. He missed two 30-yarders, two 40-yarders, and two 50-yarders. Again, for context, 76, uh, what was it, 76.9% on field goals. Mason last year was 72.2. Um, looking at other field goal kickers in the NFL... 76.2 is not great. It's better than Mason, but Mason ranked 33rd out of 35. It would have put him about 30th. And then last year, again, 76.9 on field goal attempts. Again, not great, but was uh, 57 of 58. Unfortunately, his he's never missed an extra point in his entire college career ever. 159 out of 150. Well, I don't know which kick it was exactly, but his one miss came in the final college game he ever played in the... Uh, whatever championship bowl game he was in against Oregon. His first ever miss. So he has 159 out of 160 extra points, 57 of 69, which is a career average of 86.2, which obviously is much better. 86.2 compared to the NFL would put him 23rd. But again, uh, the last two years, his field goals have been subpar. So the grades are phenomenal. Um, The... Extra points obviously are not an issue. There are more misses than you would like, 
The other thing is is kickoffs, which is actually statistics and stuff I've never actually looked at before because I just I don't really care, I guess. Usually it seems easy enough to just kick a kickoff. But um, his kickoff grades the last three years, 87, 80, and 81. Uh, Mason's highest ever was a 72, and that was the only time he ever graded in the 70s. If you look at kickoff hang time, which again is something I've never considered, uh, Mason last year, 3.78, Gabe 4.03. He's been over four on his hang time every single year. Even guys like Justin Tucker, uh, for whatever reason, last year he had a 43 overall kickoff grade. So I don't know. Um, At some point, a young guy is going to have to come in and take the job away from Mason. I'm not super excited about it happening anytime soon, but um, based on grades, the guy's phenomenal. He had a great year, obviously that one year where he was nearly perfect. The kickoffs, depending on however you grade that, I have no idea. Um, My understanding of of a good kickoff in the NFL is just drill it through the end zone. And um, I am getting a little tired of the ball being kicked to the one constantly. Maybe they're trying to do that, but with our special teams being so bad, it's like, please just get into the end zone. All the, get, get deep in there so they can't return it, please. So anyways, um, it looks like most of the injuries that we looked at are pretty well known. The only two that are unknown right now are Patrick Taylor and Christian Watson. So I don't know if there's planning some kind of a press conference sometime in the near future, but hopefully we'll get a little bit of insight into that. And obviously hoping that Christian Watson's injury is, is very minor because that, that would just really suck. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break here, come back and look at a few more things. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I want to um, thank JJ and Bear's Twitter for getting into this little dispute, for giving me a little bit of extra content. Um, if you don't like when I go on tirades about the Bears, then now would be a good time to just jump off. Um, I know I do it a lot, and if this had been a Lions person or a Vikings person or a Chiefs person even, maybe I might even indulge it. But again, it kind of just comes down to what fan base is and where they're at. And right now... Bears fans are still just not at that. I mentioned it, I think, yesterday. They, they need to just get back to that point where they acknowledge that things are not right right now. Things are not, and they won't do it. They will not do it. They are more confident and arrogant, in my opinion, than Vikings fans are right now, and that's shocking to me because the Vikings actually have a decent team. The Bears are just putrid. And again, I, I, I understand many Bears fans out there are like, dude, stop beating me. I get it. I get it. You... you. I'm I'm just telling you, your representation out there. And, and here's the other thing. I don't see in the comments section Bears fans being like, you guys got to stop. No, it's all, every single comment is, these Packer fans are stupid. They're idiots. We're going to be so much better, blah, 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 blah. Everything I'm seeing. So I want to give you the benefit of the doubt, but I don't see it. I don't see it. And so I'm going to um, illuminate, apparently, what Bears fans think about their own defense. This is in, in, in stark contrast to what I've been telling you. So this way you'll know, right? I've given you a very clear picture of what I think of their offense, their defense, Vikings offense, defense, Lions offense, defense, et cetera, et cetera. Here is a counterpoint. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Maybe they'll go on to have great success. And some rando on Twitter was way smarter than me. Ha ha, I win, you lose. Great, got it. A very prominent uh, Bears Twitter guy. I don't Really know who he is, but we follow each other and um, have seen him comment once in a while. I feel like he's rational, but sometimes I get these guys confused. Biased, but not just horrible human being type. Um, his comment was, the Packers' defense will not be top five. They're going to struggle. JJ said, that's fine. Your defense sucks. He has to elaborate. JJ elaborates. Hits on a couple points that we've already discussed. But then comes in um, hero of the day. And, and so, again, I just want to paint you a picture of what Bears fans think their defense looks like and what they're walking into. And again, this is actually great news. It drives me insane. It makes me angry and it makes me go on tirades. All that is true. But it's ultimately, again, a good thing. Because if they know they're going to be bad, like, like Lions fans, they, they, they have no expectation. So if they go on to win seven games, hey, great year. If Bears fans actually believe they're going to have a top 10, top 5 defense and they rank like 28th, they're going to be so unbelievably shocked and, and hurt and, and just, just stunned because they don't see it coming. Anyways, his comment to JJ was, next time you can just tell us you don't know anything about football. Then he says, um, Roquan is a top three inside linebacker in the league. I want to do something similar to what I did with DeAndre Swift on the Packernet After Dark podcast. He says he's a top three inside linebacker. I just want to go through. And, and, and again, you can make your own determination. I've largely just given you PFF grades and said, here's what it is. Most people don't, or I shouldn't say most, some people genuinely don't like the grades. They think they're terrible. 
my whole thought on that is I acknowledge the grades aren't perfect, but I also think if you believe that a guy who is ranked in like the bottom 10 is a top three inside linebacker, I, I don't think they're that incorrect. And I don't think he's bottom 10, but it, it's real bad. Roquan Smith ranks 70th out of 95. The idea that he's actually not 70th, he's he's second is a little crazy to me. But So that's just his overall defensive grade, right? I just want to go through all the grades, all the stats, and you make your own determination on where he should be ranked. Run defense grade, he ranks 88th out of 95. Tackling grade, 17th, which is great, but it's not top three. Number one is Devondre Campbell, by the way, but you know, just, just throwing that out there. How about pass rush? You would assume a guy with this much speed and everything else would be really good at it. And if he's not, he's not a good run defender, but there's still coverage and there's still pass rush. These are pretty critical in, in today's game, right? Where does Roquan rank as a pass rusher? Out of 95 linebackers, he ranks 83rd. All right, but what about coverage? As a coverage linebacker, he ranks 15th. So yes, better than average, certainly not top three, not top five, not top 10. He's top 20. In just one category, all while being a putrid pass rusher and run defender. He ranks 40th in pressures, all while playing significantly more um, snaps. But we'll get into more pressure stats in a minute. Um, In terms of missed tackles, he ranks 18th. We've already established he's a decent enough tackler. But still, 17th. He's missed uh, 7.1% of his tackles. Uh, Reception percentage, he ranks 56th. He is allowed 81.2% of the time when he's targeted, it gets caught. In terms of yards he's given up through the air, he ranks 61st, giving up 425 yards. Yards per reception, he ranks 18th. He has given up zero touchdowns, with his, which is great, but there are 30 linebackers that have given up zero touchdowns, so he is tied for first with 30 linebackers. Interceptions, he's tied for 19th with one. Pass breakups, he's tied for 37th with uh, two. Passer rating when targeted, he ranks 25th. Again, coverage is his, his greatest asset, according to the grades and whatnot, and seemingly by the stats as well. So just based on this, is there a single stat or grade that would lead you to believe that he's number one? We'll, we'll keep going, but I'm just wondering, so far, overall, where would you say he ranks? 40th? 50th? Just on average? Um, looking a little bit more at pass rush, his pass rush productivity He ranks 19th. This is kind of looking at all your sacks, hits, and hurries, and then weighting them based on sacks. And since most of his pressures are sacks, it's not terrible, but still 19th. Win percentage, which is hilarious because I'll let you guess how good he ranks in this one. Win percentage is when you lock horns with somebody, how often are you going to beat that guy across from you? Out of 31 linebackers, he ranks 26th. He sucks at it, which is why his pressures are not as good as they should be. Because once in a while, he doesn't just run free. If he does, he's got speed. He'll be able to close. He'll be able to bring the guy down. He's a good tackler. He's got speed. He'll get the quarterback. But if somebody sees him and blocks him, he doesn't win very often. He's a linebacker with an 8.8% win percentage. Doesn't get any better when you're talking about uh, true pass sets. He ranks 25th. So pass rush, I'm, I'm sorry, not really his thing. All right, run defense. This is where he gets a really bad grade, but let's look at some of the um, statistics. Just, again, looking at grades out of 98, he ranks 90th with a 30 overall grade. His stop percentage ranks 13th. We already looked at missed tackles. He has zero forced fumbles. His average depth of target, he ranks um, 27th. His highest rank that I can see is in penalties, where he ranks, he's tied for fourth with four penalties. 
Now, you might notice that some of these are a little bit different as grades and all that kind of stuff because this is run defense in terms of how good do you play on, I believe, on run plays as opposed to tackling and things like that that also occur during passing downs and everything else. So, for example, his missed tackles are, are slightly different but still quite bad. Um, he ranks 27th with 6.6%. So does that sound, are, are we getting to top three yet? Because I'm not seeing it. I'm not hearing it. There's not a stat. There's not a grade. There's nothing. There's nothing, 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 nothing to go on here. But again, coverage is his number one thing. Let's look a little deeper into coverage. Overall, he has a 68 overall grade. He ranks 13th. Forced incompletion percentage, he ranks 12th. Again, not terrible, but whatever. Snaps per target. You want this number to be high. Obviously, a lot of not a lot of targets. So how many snaps before you get targeted? He ranks um, 47th with seven snaps per target. So every seven snaps or so, they're throwing at Roquan. Snaps per reception, he ranks 58th. 8.6 snaps per catch against Roquan. Missed tackle percentage on um, passing plays, he ranks 25th. He misses 8.1% of the tackles when it's on a passing play. He ranks second in stops, which is just a Raw number, not a percentage, but it would be high anyways because his numbers aren't um, massively high compared to guys like Devin White and even Devondre Campbell, who was number one, but number one by a billion. Roquan was number two with 25. Devondre Campbell was number one with 34. But um, negative play for the offense. So in terms of stops, he's number two. In every other category, he ranks on average, what, 40th, 50th, 30th? I don't know. He's not top three. There's nothing here. I mean, we, we, can, we can keep going. Zone coverage. His grade, he ranks 20th when covering in zone. When covering man-to-man, he ranks 70th. So even then, a lot of his coverage prowess is, is his ability to play in a system. He's not even a good man-to-man cover guy, which is what you would expect, right? He's a, he's a quick guy, so he can keep pace with, with people better than a lot of other linebackers can. He can't. He ranks 70th when he has to play in man. And I'm not going through every single stat for each man and zone. If you're mad about it, go buy a subscription, look it up yourself. But the bottom line is, you know it's not going to be good. You know the stats aren't going to be good. You're not going to give him a garbage grade um, when he's good at stuff. And and you know you look at the the you look at the top of this list. You find guys like Fred Warner. You find guys like Micah Parsons. You find guys like. Um, C.J. Mosley, Bobby Wagner, Eric Kendricks, you know, Jalen Smith. There's, there's a few other guys, but the point is, you look at the top, you see guys at the top. Even Darius Leonard, he, he ranks 24th. This is just man coverage, but Darius Leonard, he has a 73 overall grade. The point is, good linebackers do good. They have good grades, they have good stats. And you consistently see really good linebackers at the tops of these lists. Devondre Campbell is on the top of a lot of different lists. Roquan is not at the top of any single list. And the only thing you're ever going to hear anybody say, you're going to hear Bears fans scoff and roll their eyes and go, wow, learn to watch the tape. Learn to watch the tape. I'm sorry, but the tape has to materialize into production at some point. If he has good tape, then he has good production, then he has good stats, then he has good grades. It is impossible to be a really good linebacker and do really good stuff, quote unquote, on tape, but it never materializes into good stats. That is impossible. I'm looking at his stats, I'm looking at his grades, and I'm looking at how it compares to every single linebacker in the NFL, and he doesn't compare. He doesn't. And, and you can pretend that you know because you watch him and you really like him, but the fact of the matter is you don't know. 
you see Roquan make tackles and you get excited and you go, yeah, we got a good linebacker. And everybody tells you he's a great linebacker. The media keeps pumping you up. And so you believe it. But you're not watching Fred Warner. You're not watching Micah Parsons. You're not watching Bobby Wagner and Devondre Campbell and Deion Jones and Darius Leonard. You're not watching these guys and comparing and going, wow, they actually are better. You're not seeing their stats and saying, wow, actually that is better. The reality is you're a completely biased Bears fan who refuses to acknowledge reality. And you don't need to because nobody's asking you to dig into these things. Everybody's telling you he's great, he's great, he's great, he's great, he's great, and you're accepting it because why wouldn't you? What, what, what would cause you to want to dig into it and go, eh, I don't know, let me see for myself. Let me go compare him to everybody else. No, everybody's telling you he's an elite linebacker and you're just buying it. But don't go at people who are actually looking into these things and then scoff as though you are in the know. Uh, obviously, I know. I've watched the tape. Dude, you suck at watching the tape. I'm sorry. You suck at it. You're a completely biased Bears fan who wants to believe Roquan's great, and he's not. He is an adequate coverage linebacker. He is a subpar pass rusher, and he is one of the worst run-defending linebackers in all of football, period. Yes, he has great plays, like everybody occasionally has great plays. His stops are very, very high. So there are probably a lot of times on that critical third and one he makes a stop or whatever the case may be, he has a lot of stops, a lot of negative plays for the offense. But overall, compared to all other linebackers, the guy is not good and he's never been good. His grades over four years, 66, 52, 67, and 47, his lowest grade this year. The last two years, he's had great run defense grades in the 30s. Only twice he's graded in the 80s in any category. In 2019, his tackling grade was an 81.9. In 2020, his coverage grade was an 84. That's it. He doesn't do anything spectacularly well. Last year, he, he literally had two games in which he graded out as good. Two. Against Green Bay in Week 6, 76 overall grade. Week 2 against Cincinnati, 90.2. And the thing is, you remember that. It sticks out in your mind. You remember those interceptions. You remember the sacks. Against Cincinnati, he had a sack in that game. He had a pick in that game. I'm sure you remember all that, and it sticks out in your mind, and it's confirmation bias. But then the next week, week three against Cleveland, he has a 26.8 overall grade. Do you remember that? Well, no, because what's there to remember? You don't know that he's the one that was out of position on that play. You saw it was a big play by the defense, and you're like, oh, stupid defense, whatever, blah, 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 this team sucks. It was Roquan, and you didn't know it. And occasionally you do know it, and you move on with your life. He is not top three. He is not top five. He is not top 10. He's never been, ever. And I don't think he's going to be. We'll see what happens with the new scheme. Maybe this new guy comes in. He has a better uh, system for a guy like Roquan, and maybe he meets his full potential. But it's not based on any information that you currently have. And there's also no reason to believe that. It's not a thing that generally happens. Bad linebackers become great linebackers, simply because of a new coach. (sighs) Anyways, moving on, because that was just his first point. He said, Roquan is top three in the league. JJ is a borderline top 10 cornerback right now. I told you Bears fans are too obsessed with this. And I I kept saying it and I started questioning myself, like maybe Bears fans aren't that high on him and I'm mistaken. Would you like to know where Jalen Johnson ranks via PFF grade? And, And yeah, I'll go through the rest of them too if you want. He ranks 57th with a 64 overall grade. His coverage grade is a 60.5. In terms of his coverage grade, which is obviously the most important thing, he ranks 79th. You guys got to stop, man. You got to stop with this. Roquan's top three, Jalen Johnson's top 10. Based on what? What freaking fantasy world are you living in? This is biased garbage. 
Yeah, he's up there with with Jalen Ramsey and Jair Alexander and um, you know J.C. Jackson, Stephon Gilmore, Marshawn Lattimore, Casey Hayward. He, he's 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 up there with those guys. Kendall Fuller, Adoree Jackson. You're you're deluded. You're absolutely deluded. Jalen Johnson took a second-year leap from a 54 overall grade to a 64 overall grade, and that was almost entirely because his run defense went through the roof. Do you know how many good games he had? He had one, two, three, four, five on the entire season, and that's it. And again, he had two elite games, which I'm sure sticks out in your mind. He had a 91 overall grade week 12 against Detroit. He had a 92.2 overall grade against Cincinnati week two. You guys had a heyday against Cincinnati, didn't you? Especially for your confirmation biases, man. You guys just watch that Cincinnati game out of loop or what? Against Cincinnati, seven targets, two receptions, one pick, two pass breakups, zero overall passer rating. But here's the thing. The first two weeks, he played real well. 78 overall grade, then 92. You know what he did after that? 56, 63, 49, 28 overall grade against Green Bay. The guy got embarrassed. 48. Then a 70. Hey, he did good again. And then back to a 53. And then a 74. And then a 91. Two good games in a row. And then 60. And then 49 against Green Bay. Green Bay just destroys this guy. Then 64. Then 44. Probably because he went up against Devontae. In fact, his two worst games of the year were against the Packers. I'm surprised you like this guy. You'd think that would be sort of a, a baseline thing. You know, if you get embarrassed, if you if you make us look stupid against the Packers, we don't like you. But I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about that. And and listen, again, it's entirely possible the guy has a has a big breakout year in year three. I'll I'll grant you that. I'm willing to be reasonable about this stuff, but you can't come out here and start talking about top ten cornerback. You sound stupid. Don't do that. I mean, again, what 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 is it? What is there to go through here? What what do we have? Uh, let's look at his pressures. Has he done that ever? No, he has zero pressures. So they never sent him on a blitz. So he doesn't have that ability. Well, okay, whatever. Let's just go straight to coverage. He ranks 82nd in yards given up. He ranks 105th in yards per reception, giving up 13.2 yards per reception. 80th in yards after the catch. 113th in average depth of target. This is out of 129. 38th in forced incompletion percentage. He's tied for 38th at 11%. He's tied for 29th in um, pass breakups with 7. He's tied for 48th in interceptions with 1. He's tied for 12th in dropped interceptions, so congratulations on that. You dropped two picks. Kidding. Technically, he ranks 108th um, because, you know, that's a bad stat, not a good stat. Tried to give him something positive. And he tied for 111th with touchdowns given up with six. Uh, Eight is the most that anybody gave up. Um, He has given up six. So only seven corners have given up more touchdowns than Jalen Johnson. Passer rating when targeted, he ranks 89th. Snaps per target, he ranks 55th. Snaps per reception, he ranks 31st. So I, I, I don't even know if he qualifies as a CB1, to be completely honest with you. I, I, I don't think he would fall into the top 32 based on his statistics. He's not good. He's fine. He's adequate. Um, he took a step, which is important to take that second-year step. It wasn't a second-year leap, but it was a step, and it's entirely possible he continues to take a step. Again, I'm perfectly willing to, to grant you that. The biggest issue, though, with Jalen Johnson is that his step was based on two elite games. And the problem with that, and this is this is kind of the same situation I have with um, our guy, uh, Darnell Savage. When your good grades are based on like that 199 overall game you had, that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence because what I want is consistent good play over the course of a season. And I don't see that from guys like, from Savage necessarily. And I don't see that from guys like Jalen Johnson. 
I see consistent garbage play with like one or two freakishly impressive games. That doesn't inspire a lot of confidence that next year you're going to take a step. What you'd want to see is maybe over the course of the season, maybe down toward the end of the year, you start to see more 70s, right? You see maybe a couple less less really bad games, so there's no more 30s, 40s, 20s, none of that stuff. Maybe a 50 in there mixed in, but mostly it's 60s, 70s, maybe throw an 80 in there down the stretch. That didn't happen. His last four games, 60, 40, 60, 40. So Jalen Johnson is not good at football. He's, he's, he's adequate. If he was a number two, you'd be okay with it. He's your number one corner. He is not good enough to be a number one corner. Uh, Roquan Smith is not an elite linebacker. He's not even a good linebacker. He's certainly not a top three linebacker. I wanted to say that you added much better depth at all levels compared to last year. That's stupid. Your entire defensive line is gone. What are you talking about depth? Your, your depth is now starting. You don't have starting defensive tackles. What depth are you talking about at edge rusher? De- depth implies that you have a base, right? You, you, you have your starters, and then you add quality depth behind them. If you don't have starters, I'm sorry, you can't brag about depth. That's like bragging about how tall my tower is, but you don't have a, 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 a base set yet. That thing is not going to stand. He said, hired one of the most sought-after defensive minds in the league that brought his entire staff over that has coached a top 10 elite defense all five years in Indy. No, I'm sorry, top 10 is not elite, but first of all, you didn't say, let, let, let me just grant you what you said. So you, you have a top three linebacker and a top 10 corner, borderline. So even you acknowledge he's not quite there yet. So what? So what? You don't have pass rushers. You don't have a defensive line. You don't have safety. You don't have any other corners. And you hired a, a guy that had a good defense in Indy. So what? Hilariously, later on, you said the defense finished 13th in the league last year with injuries across the board, one of the worst secondaries, and playing the third toughest schedule. What do you mean one of the worst secondaries? I thought you had a top 10 corner. How can a top 10 corner be one of the worst secondaries? By the way, Iberflus, uh last year, his defense via DVOA was 8th. The year before that was 7th. Uh, the year before that, Indy was 19th. And the year before that, they were 11th. So congrats on getting this elite defense. Um, Something else that bears mentioning is that elite defenses usually have elite players. So while uh, 2021, certainly um, Indianapolis was decent enough with the, you know, 4.9% better than an average defense ranking eighth. The fact is, though, they actually have a really good linebacker in Darius Leonard. They have a really good defensive tackle by the name of DeForest Buckner. They have better corners, better linebackers, better safeties, better defensive tackles. You brought in Al-Kadin Muhammad, which is nice. He was on that team as well, but um, he had a 64 overall grade, 37 pressures out of 457, which is really bad. He did have seven sacks, which is nice, kind of like your, your guy, uh, Robert Quinn, who had a bunch of sacks, despite not being super great in terms of pressures. But the point is, they had better pieces to work with. Not the most elite group on paper, so kudos to them for putting whatever they had together, but you have significantly less. Your defensive line is a joke. Your linebackers are massively overrated. You still have a garbage secondary, as you pointed out. So, you know, I don't really know what to tell you, man. It's true you ranked 13th last year. That is very true. And you got a guy that knows defense, so who knows? Maybe you guys will be able to put together a better defense than, than you should based on what you have on paper. I would like to point out one thing, though, before we wrap this whole thing up. If you look at your 13th ranked defense, I want to go through the the highest graded players on this entire defense. Number one is Thomas Graham. Thomas Graham played in four games, 
And his 84 overall grade is based on uh, basically one good game that was against Minnesota. He had a 90 overall grade. Maybe this guy's just a complete stud. I'm thinking that's a fluke based on a very short sample size. The next highest grade of anybody is Artie Burns, another cornerback. Artie Burns is now a Seahawk. The next highest grade is DeAndre Houston Carson, a perennially disrespected player. One of the, I mean, there's been a couple of guys on your team that I've always liked that never got enough respect. DeAndre Houston Carson is one of them. He's had two years in a row of really high grades. Granted, he has a lot of bad games mixed in, but he grades higher than pretty much everybody else. You drafted Jaquan Brisker, so now Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker are your safeties. DeAndre Houston Carson goes back into the uh, into the unknown, just sitting and, and wallowing. So he doesn't play anymore. The next highest grade is Khalil Mack. As we know, he's gone. Yes, he was injured a big part of the year, but he still had the next highest grade. Next highest grade after that is Akeem Hicks. He's gone. He is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. After that is Travis Gibson, who is a pass rusher that is still on the team. And after that is Robert Quinn. So you're you, the, the, and I'm, I'm granting you Robert Quinn. He had a 69.9 overall grade. The only guys on this team, really, that are still on the team and are still going to be playing that have good grades, 70 or higher, are Robert Quinn and Travis Gibson. That's it. Everybody else is 60s or lower. Everybody. And Gibson Gibson and Robert Quinn are both massive question marks. Gibson, in his rookie year, had a 46 overall grade. He took a step, but there is some serious volatility there. He is a fifth-round pick. He's got two games in the 90s, one in the high 80s, so there's some serious... I mean, that, that's, that's a big deal. I've, I've listed a couple guys on your team that have these 90... That, that's kind of rare. I mean, it's not unusual for people to never have that. And you, you got guys that just pull those out of nowhere. The problem is there's a whole lot of 30s here as well. And, he, you know, he had his 10 sacks, which is great. But let's see, 27 divided by, move this calculator out of the way so I can see, 229, 11.7%, 12%, which is fine. But we're talking about maybe your best player had a 12% pressure rate, and he's a fifth-round pick that has a lot of really bad games. You can say, well, no, Robert Quinn is clearly better. He had a billion. I get the sacks. I understand the sacks. I also understand that he had two sacks the year prior, and then 12 before that, and then seven, and then 10, and then four, and then five, and then 11, and then 19, and then 11, and then six. The guy's all over the map. He had an 8% pressure rate in 2020. So really all you're trying to say, if we're being completely honest, and we get rid of the nonsense about top three, top 10, you have a, you, you have a top 10 nothing on your team. There's not a single top 10 player on this entire team. I was going to say, actually, I mean defense, but I'm trying to think, is there a top 10 player on your entire team, period? I don't think so. I don't think Mooney or Montgomery are top 10 either. And, and by the way, it's, it's just funny because you're trying to compare yourself to the, the Packers and how you're better in the Packers. You don't have a single top 10 player on your team. How many top 10 players do the Packers have? You got Aaron Rodgers as top 10. David Bakhtiari is top 10. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, depending on how you look at it, are both top 10. Elton Jenkins maybe is top 10. I'll leave him off the list just because I don't know that he is. So it's some serious competition at tackle. Defensively, Jair is top 10. Rashawn is top 10. Campbell is top 10. Amos is top 10. These are just top 10. I'm not even looking at, you know, good players like Stokes, who's better than, probably better than Jalen Johnson is. Certainly was better as a rookie than Jalen Johnson was. Kenny Clark is arguably top 10. Certainly better than anybody. We have better pass rushers. We have better defensive tackles. We have better corners. We have better safeties. And we have better linebackers. We have a better offensive line. We have a better quarterback. We have better running backs. Maybe have better tight ends. I don't know. Not a very high bar you're setting for us over there. The only question would be wide receiver, and I'm feeling okay about it. 
So you can talk about, we got this new coach and it's going to be great. I know. And the last coach you got was going to be great. And the coach before that was going to be great. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, we, we, everybody plays that game, but the fact of the matter is most coaches don't end up being very good at stuff. We said the same thing about Mike Pettin. Every single one of his defenses were really like top 10 defenses. And that, and that's actual, like actually look at what he did with the, the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. Not like just saying stupid stuff about all his defenses are elite. And really it was just one or two were top 10 and two of them were not. I'm talking literal top 10 every single year that he was a defensive coordinator. He came to be not even head coach. That's the other thing. He's not your defensive coordinator. He's your head coach, which is a different thing. He's going to let somebody else run his defense. He has to learn to be a head coach, which is very different. So your new defensive coordinator, who's never been a defensive coordinator, has to be a defensive coordinator for your head coach, who was a pretty good defensive coordinator. But guess what? We had Petten come in, didn't make us a top 10 defense. First time ever. We get Joe Barry. The guy's a complete joke, right? Never really had much of any success. Comes in and the defense, granted, DVOA didn't rank well overall. And yeah, we had a bunch of injuries too. But still, we, we, we saw a version of a defense that we've never seen before. Shutting out teams. Packers don't ever do that stuff. What we saw in the playoffs was stuff that we just don't see. There needs to be better consistency, which is why overall they didn't rank very high because they also gave up a ton of points to a bunch of teams. But the, the point is, it doesn't matter. Again, look at the Jets. You want to talk about highly sought after? Your guy is a joke compared to Robert Sala. There, there is nobody that was sought after like Robert Sala was. You know what happened to the Jets? The Jets were ranked 21st um, prior to Robert Sala coming in. You know where they ranked after this great elite defensive mind came in? 32nd, dead last. So I'm sorry, you can't just say, yeah, well, We've got this elite linebacker, which is not true, and this maybe close to top 10 cornerback, which is not true. And because we brought in Eberflus, who was a pretty good defensive coordinator, who's now going to be our head coach, we're going to be a great defense. That doesn't make any sense. It's not impossible. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes, especially in year one, these guys come in, they implement a new scheme, and it just clicks. And it looks great, and then it starts to fall off after that. But it's going to be a real monumental undertaking. And again, there are question marks that I don't even know what you do about it. Even if I grant you one good corner and one good linebacker, and I'll even grant you the two rookies have good years. So you got one safety, you got a second corner. You don't have a defensive line. You have a massive hole at safety. You, you have no other linebackers, and your pass rushers probably aren't going to be that great. Again, you can make it work, and we're, we're looking extremely optimistically, and I, I guess we could say the edge rushers um, maintain that high level of play that's very unlikely to maintain. So if every single thing goes positive, including the defense, uh, the defensive coordinator has a, a really good year. Plus, it, it depends how you rank a really good defense, because if it's based on points, there's a good chance you're going to have a good defense based on points because your offense isn't going to score any. So there's not going to be that whole yin and yang thing where it's like, oh man, we got to catch up to this team. We got to score 39 because they scored 37. To beat the Bears, you got to score like 19 points. So that'll probably work to the benefit of your defense. Because for some stupid reason, you get teams like the Packers who are like, meh, we're up by seven, we'll just kind of coast now in the second quarter, rather than just keeping the foot down on the gas and whatnot. So I, again, I, I don't get, and I'm, I'm looking at all the comments and the Bears fans are just, he, he even retweeted JJ and, and went in on it again. And, and again, you got more Bears fans saying the same thing. Um, you got this guy here saying, I think the defense can be top 15, chance to be top 10 to 12. Uh, that's assuming Quinn stays, which is a whole other thing. We still don't know what the situation is with Quinn and whether or not he's going to come report or not. 
I'm granting you Quinn is there through all this. Um, it says, if he's gone, I think that leaves a big hole. But I love the DB talent. Wait, what? What DB talent? You don't have any. You have two rookies and a guy that's like 40th. But anyways, again, I'm, I'm fine with optimism, but you gotta, you gotta cool it, man. Stop telling me Roquan is top three. Stop telling me Jalen Johnson is a top 10 corner. Stop saying stupid stuff, all right? If you want to be optimistic and say, I like Jalen and I think he's got a bright future, I think Roquan is better than he gets credit for. I, granted, he's, he, he has his issues, but I, I like him. I'm, I'm excited about our new head coach. I'm excited about Justin Fields' future. I think he showed some promise, and I'm, I'm looking forward to him developing. All that is fine. I get all that. Darnell Mooney, I think, is underrated. I think he's going to take a big step this year. Um, you know, if we could ever get some help on this offensive line, I think our run game is going to be real strong. Even still, I really like um, Montgomery. It's not going to be hard to get me to buy into Montgomery. I was always a big fan of Montgomery. Just don't be stupid about stuff. Again, that's, that's, that's the reason why I don't get as mad about Vikings fans. Justin Jefferson is elite. Yep. Adam Thielen's a good wide receiver. Yep. Harrison Smith is a really good safety. Yep. We hate our corners. Yep. I'm, I got it. We hate Cousins. Actually, all right. I think he's all right, fine, but yeah. The only couple points of a contention would be Dalvin and like Patrick Peterson. That's about it. Everything else we're kind of, kind of see eye to eye on stuff. So I, I can't get mad at it. I, I, it's not just a matter of you say your team is good, therefore I hate you. It's just, just say stuff that doesn't sound stupid. That's it. For example, I'll, I'll give you this because I, I went kind of hard after him. And, and again, I, I like this Let's Go Bears guy. He seems pretty rational. The, the, it wasn't that guy that was listing all the top three, top ten, whatever. But here's what he says. Here's an example of something that I'm, I'm willing to accept. He says, the Bears' last head coach was seeking football advice from George McCaskey. So yes, I think the Bears vastly improved their team by switching coaches. Not saying they're going to win ten games, but they will be improved. I'm fine with it. I don't agree. But I don't have to agree with everything you say. I get it. I accept that. I'm fine with it. We're not going to be a very good team, but we're going to be better, and we're headed in the right direction. Good with me, man. Works for me. Best of luck. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Remember to call in. Uh, We're a little short on voicemails today. It looks like Omar called in. I missed one of his calls. I've been trying to see if there's a way that I can, like, mark these. Maybe I have to just start making a list of calls because I keep missing a couple here and there. But we've only got, like, I think two calls to get through. And so I need you... Actually, you know what? This is a day late, so you're... Whatever. Still call in. 608-501-0718. 608-501-0718. Call in. Leave a message. Uh, otherwise, have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.